Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, would you stand with me as we read the Word? We're going to talk out of 1 John today. We are going to talk out of 1 John. We spoke a little bit about it a couple weeks ago, and today we're talking about blessed assurances. And today we're going to talk about how we know that we are walking in the light of God. Amen? One thing to have the Word in our heart. It's another thing that we could look on the outside and say, yes, uh, there's some things in my life that are going on that lets me know I walk with God. Amen? Because something might get you. (laughs) There's always something out there, so we need to make sure we have these assurances in our life as we go through storms. Let's go begin to read. And this, uh, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Powerful words, amen. Let's pray. Father, you're amazing in all that you do. Our hearts are bowed to you. Speak to us this morning from your word. Make us like you. And everybody says, amen. Hey, wave at somebody as you go down. If you're listening by video, thank you so much for being a part of our service today, podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for all the beautiful faces in the room. We love you guys, and we are glad to be back. Amen? It's good. It's good. So John here is talking to some false, uh, he's confronting some false teachers. He's writing to his friends, and he's saying, listen, if there's been some false teaching that's crept in that says basically that Jesus isn't everything that Jesus says that he is. But we know that's not true, amen, as believers. Christ is everything that Christ said he was, amen. And John's saying, hey, listen, this stuff that you've been hearing, that Jesus may be not fully divine and all this other type of stuff, you know, things that were spreading as lies, he confronts this and he says that is not true. And he's talking to his friends and he's taking his opportunity to, um, to write to his friends and confront this immediately. This past week, of course, we didn't have service here, and we hope you took the advantage of that, and maybe Bible study in your home with your uh, family, or got back online and looked at some of our old uh, messages. Um, they were good too, amen. They're still preaching the word on there. But at our house, it was a little different. My daughter, Callie, said, oh, we're not having service this morning, are we? And I said, no, and I have permission to tell this story, of course. Um, but she said, well, we're going to have service. So she goes back and prepares for an hour, comes back, Gets her little uh, music stand that we bought her. She recently started practicing a recorder. So it's been super fun around our house for the last couple weeks. And uh, she knows how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb because she plays it like 72 times, which I love. I love, okay? But she, she shows up with her little music stand, and she begins to teach Mary and me. Oh, yeah. She begins to teach us. We learn about Ruth and how God loves um, you and he shows grace no matter if you have the uh, money that Boaz had or if you were in Ruth's situation. He still shows grace. And then she begins to go on and talk to us about how God has a plan for our life and we can trust him. And it was so good. And I remember her wonderful prayer and Mary and I laughed about it later because at the prayer at the ending she said, and God bless this wonderful sermon. (laughs) I thought that's confidence there. Then she looks at us and she says, all right. See you tonight at 6. <laughs> so again, 
we have service at 6, and she had so much fun. She said, oh, yeah, we're not having service on Wednesday, are we? She goes, see you Wednesday night. And sure enough, we learned about Noah, we learned about Ruth, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So she took full opportunity of her time. And that's what John is doing here as he is writing to his friends. He's not wasting time. He's not wasting space on paper. In fact, he kind of jumps right in and says, hey, there's some things that we're going to discuss. I, you, I can imagine John, uh, when we talked about him last time, we know that he doesn't mind testifying a little bit. He doesn't mind proclaiming or preaching that Jesus Christ is everything that Jesus Christ says that he is. So I can imagine that when he heard about these false teachings creeping in, his blood began to rise a little bit. Because John, John walked with him and talked with him and heard these messages. And John says, huh, we're not, we're not doing that. And he said, I want to bring some assurances to you that you know that you're walking in the light of God. And through this correspondence, I believe that it's healthy because it causes us as Christian believers to ask ourselves questions. And this is good. It's not a sign of weakness for us to ask ourselves questions, to ask ourselves, God, am I still in line with you? Am I hearing your spirit speak to my spirit? Am I keeping your commandments? Am I doing what you've asked me to do? And that's 8 to 80, amen? It should be a part of our life and who we are, that we never want to get stagnant, and we never want to be at a place where we think we're okay and we can do it alone, because we can't. We need a Savior, amen? And His name is Jesus Christ. And John jumps right in here in verse 5, and he says, listen, an assurance that we have is that we have this built-in mechanism that causes us to know and thank and proclaim that God is light. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light. In Him there is no darkness. And you've got to love this, right? At the beginning He starts this message. Now we know He's talking about this message, meaning the message of Jesus Christ, but He goes on and clarifies this, and He says, I've heard Jesus speak that He is light. That God is light. In Him there is no darkness. Now light is purity. It's holiness. It's true love. It's these things that we long for and we search for. And he's saying, listen, God is that light. There is no darkness, there is no sin in Him. It's the, the, the good news, the true light, the truest and uh, purest form of love that we've encountered. And he says, this is a message from God. How do we know that? Because John goes on to say, we have heard from Him. I love how John once again incorporates all of his apostle friends. And he says, listen, we... I want to tell you something about the 12 or the 11 at that point, I guess, that had walked with Christ. We, we had seen and heard His messages. We've seen what He had done. And I imagine that as He was talking to His friends, as He was writing to this audience, that maybe they remembered some of the stories that John had told them. Because through this letter, we understand that He's not writing to a bunch of complete strangers. He's writing to some people He really loves. So no doubt He's had conversations with them. And I imagine at that point he said, we've heard from him. Maybe they thought back in their mind, oh, I remember that story that John told us about Jesus that one time. I, I remember up on the mountain that one time. I remember whenever he was taking the first communion. I, I remember that moment. Because John had this message inside of him, and he knew that it came from Christ. He goes on and he says, listen, 
I proclaimed it to you. Oh, I love Pastor John here. Because John is not just saying that we got by a campfire one night and had a little bit too much to drink and decided to write some stuff down. Amen? He, he didn't say, I, I got out the latest book on philosophy and began to flip the pages and found out what was really cool and neat. And, and I shared that with you. It wasn't about Plato and Socrates and Nietzsche and all these other guys. What he said is, I proclaimed a message to you about Jesus Christ. That means uh, he preached it from his heart. And it, since he had walked with him and experienced some things, this letter is believed to be written at the latter portion of John's life. So for him to go back and say, listen, this is so important. I didn't just tell you about it. I didn't just write you about it. I preached it from my heart and proclaimed that this message is from God, that God is light and in Him there's no darkness. And that's a very serious statement coming from John. He proclaims it. He said, remember, I, I proclaim this to you. And what did he proclaim? He clarifies that. He says, listen, I proclaim one simple message that God is light. He is the true pure. He is true purity and true holiness and true love. And, and he goes on, he says, let me explain this a little, little more. He says, in him there is no darkness at all. He said, so in case you didn't understand what I mean by God is light, let me go ahead and clarify that for you. That means in Him there is no darkness. That means He can't look at darkness. He doesn't want to be around darkness. He doesn't entertain darkness. He doesn't bless darkness. Amen? In Him there is no darkness. And it is our job, he is pushing his people, pushing his friends, saying, remember, it is our job that we have this message from God, that God is light, and I want you to proclaim it. Have you ever wondered why you wake up in the morning and you think, man, God is pure. God is holy. And I've got to be like him. I've got to think like him. I've got to act like him. I've got to talk like him. Have you thought that you do that morning after morning and day after day? Can I tell you, friends, that's not a weakness. That's a strength. That's us truly believing that God is light and we want to be like him. There's a wonderful story about a lighthouse keeper. It's actually about his wife. He passes away and he's done it faithful for years off the coast of England. Turns on the light and shines it out for all the ships so they don't run into each other and of course crash into the rocks and he passes away. And his dear wife puts in for the job and she gets it and faithfully serves in that position time and time again during storms and during the night she would go up and turn the light on. And this is what she said. She said, every evening I stand at the door of the lighthouse and look across the water to the hillside where my husband sleeps. I always seem to hear his voice saying, as he often said when he was alive, mind the light, mind the light, mind the light. She goes on to, to remember how she would, she would turn on that light and save ship after ship. And as I was reading that story, I was thinking, what a wonderful example. As she was saying, mind the light and turning it on, she didn't care who was on the ship. She didn't care if they were mean, if they didn't believe like her. Her position, her, her point in life was to make sure that she put that light out so that they could respond to it and have safety. She didn't care about the crew's mindset. She didn't care about the captain's mindset, what cargo they were hauling. Her point was to turn on that light so they could respond to the safety. And this is what John is saying to us. In the dark world that we live in, mind the light. Mind the light. Proclaim that God is light. Proclaim that. And it's not our position to judge. Well, that person's mean to me. 
I, I don't know if I agree with that person and their beliefs. God didn't say that. He said, share the light. Mind the light. As we go up and we share the light and we watch out for our friends, maybe they don't always respond like we think they should. Maybe family doesn't respond. But we do it with gladness of heart. Amen? And why do we do that? Why do we have that inside of us? In John 1 and 5, John is writing in his gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In John, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, he understood that Jesus wins. I have to shine the light because Christ has already won, and I want as many people to be safe and find that refuge as I can. And in our life, we have that same built-in mechanism. And it's not a sign of weakness. For us to wake up in the mornings and go through the day and say, God, drag my sin into the light because I believe that you're light and I want to be where you're at. I want to dwell where you dwell. Amen. And when we do that, we let that strength rise up in us and we begin to proclaim that. John goes on and he proclaims another assurance in verse 6. And it, it, although it's not listed in the text, you can draw from it. He says, listen, it's important that we have an honest walk with Christ really be who we are Theodore Roosevelt was out on a, his ranch early in life branding cattle and there was a cattle there was a cow that had slipped out into his pasture of, of a friend and he didn't know whether it was his cow or his neighbor's cow but if it was in somebody else's pasture it became that person's property his worker went over there without his permission roped it and drug it back into his side that hot iron was sitting in the fire and his worker reaches down and grabs that iron and is about to brown that, brand that cow. And Theodore Roosevelt says, no, stop. He says, stop, we can't do this. He said, a man that would steal for me is a man who would steal from me. And I think Theodore Roosevelt understood what John is saying. Honesty is honesty. We can think of different reasons in our life why maybe we could bend the truth or tell a little white lie or not be honest. Maybe we deserve it or maybe we can justify it. But that's not the way that God works. Amen? Uh, John is writing. He says, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. We cannot have fellowship with darkness. You ever wondered why as a Christian you're trying to push yourself away from that dark matter? You're trying to push yourself away from that sin. You're holding yourself accountable and you think, why do I fail? Why do I feel like this ship crashing into the sea time and time again? Listen, don't let your enemy get you down. That is a good thing because you're bringing that question to the table. You're bringing yourself saying, God, I do not want to have fellowship with any kind of sin in my life. I do not want to be anywhere near it. I want to be in the light. I want to have an honest walk before you. And John is warning his readers. He says, listen, don't get into a life that we live being different than the life that we profess. And we can do that very easily. And he goes on and he says, we do it by lying and by practicing falsity. We, we sometimes let our lips get the better part of us and then we begin to even believe it ourselves if we don't guard ourselves against that darkness. And then we get really good at being untruthful. And John is warning the people of this. Listen, these false teachers that are coming in and teaching this way of living, this is not true, but it's going to make you feel good and it's going to be easy, but this is not what we need to do. And what happens whenever we practice at something? We get better 
and better and better. And John is warning the readers, saying, listen, don't let it become so great and so good that you don't even know you're doing it. David writes Psalms 141. And here we can see the humanity of David. And I wonder so many times, God, why did you bless David so much? Of all the blunders that he made and things that he, he did and decisions that we know that he didn't, we don't agree with. Yet every time I turn around and read the Bible, you're blessing in some form or fashion. And I think because David understood his humanity and he had an honest walk before the Lord. Now he did do blunders and he did do stupid things. But ye without sin, let him cast the first stone, right? Of course, all of us would have to drop the stone. And David here in Psalms 141, he's crying out to God two different times. He says, I call upon you, I call to you. He goes, God, listen to me. I know that you're up there and you hear me. And when he's writing the Psalms, he has a justifiable reasons to be dishonest, to be angry, to be different in secret than he is in public. But he brings his humanity to God and he says, I need your help. And I think it's something that we can put in our tool belt. That whenever we get into our quiet time with God and we become honest in our walk and we continue that honesty, that it's not a sign of weakness that we understand our humanity, our humanity here in Psalms 141. David pins the words, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Wonderful words that expresses His humanity. That God, I need you. I know that I won't say the right things at the right times. Matter of fact, whenever he goes in there and he says, listen, I want what I say to be incense. There was two different times that they burned incense in the temple. One, on the outer portion of it, they would light the incense, which was a fragrance to God, which was kind of a sign of prayers going up to God, and they would light it every day. And then on the Day of Atonement, that one day a year, they would bring the coals from the fire and set it into the holiest of holy, and then they would take this incense that was carefully crafted together, together and put it on those coals, and then it would go up as a sweet fragrance to God. And that's what David was saying. Because God, I need your help. This is impossible without you. Without you guarding my lips, without you speaking to my heart, God, I, I, I don't think I can do it. And it's so wonderful that we know that even King David struggled with that. That we as Christians, whenever we go to God and say, God, I need you. Help me say what I need to say. In John 3 and 19, John writes again, and he says this. He says, this is the verdict, or this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And, and yet again, we see a warning from God. We see a warning from Christ that's saying, listen, the light has come into the world. It is our job to proclaim that God is light, but people will still do evil works. And we have to guard ourselves against those. Matter of fact, they become, that becomes their motivation that they fall in love with evil and they reject the light. And we as Christians, we wonder why we reject the evil. We wonder why we look at a TV episode and it just makes us cringe and makes us sick from all the stuff. We get aggravated and frustrated whenever we turn on the TV and we see commercials that's nonsense and things that they promote. 
We listen to music and, and we're disgusted by it. Well, this is a good thing because that means that we know that God is light. That means that we know that looking at a TV screen that has nonsense on it that God does not approve of is being one thing in the dark and another thing in the light. And we cannot profess something and live a different life. This is a good thing for us. That conviction is a good thing. It's a strength, it's an assurance that we're walking in the light, that we're not just reading the Bible, that we're not just trying to listen to God and make us feel good, but we're actually trying to walk this thing out. And that is a wonderful, wonderful attitude to have. Now, we can't take that frustration and that aggravation out on people because we understand they're lost. Once again, mind the light, mind the light, mind the light. But that's our job is to mind the light, amen? To have that honest walk before Christ. John goes on. He doesn't leave us hanging in, in verse 7. He pulls out another assurance. As Christians walking in the light, we constantly check and make sure that Christ is the standard. That Christ is my plumb line. Uh, we ask ourselves, God, have you ever asked yourself questions like this? And I know that you have. God, am I following your commandments like you've ordered me to follow them. God, God, I just want to make sure that my heart is still sensitive to Your Spirit and You're speaking to me and I'm not missing anything. God, am I, am I loving my wife or my husband like you've, you've called me to? Am I raising my kids in a way that honors You? And then you find yourself asking that question that you asked yesterday, today, and a week from now. And that's a great thing because we're pulling ourselves back in and saying, God, I know that I have ideas and concepts and things like that, but if they don't line up with what you teach and who you are, then I don't want them in my house or in my mind. I don't want them to guide me. I want you to be my standard. And John says that. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light... And the next phrase, he says, let me explain the light to you as he is in the light. How do we walk in the light as Jesus was in the light? And you can tell that John is pulling from his experiences. You can tell that John is pulling from his experiences that he had with Christ. I want to show you about the light because I walked with him. When I was in Wichita Falls, Texas, I was just getting into tree, a tree business. And it was not a very smart idea. A tree had fallen down on my yard one night and broke off some electricity, and I used a chainsaw, and I had so much fun. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a company. <laughs> yeah, really not smart at all. Because trust me, ambition is not enough sometimes. Sometimes you need experience, you need some other stuff, okay? There's this guy named Redbeard. I was on one of my first jobs. His name was Redbeard. Great guy. Called him up and said, hey, I heard you had some top, top handle chainsaws for sale. I'd like to buy them from you. He goes, okay. I said, this is the location I'm at. I'm working. If you'd come by, I'll, I'll purchase them off of you. I'm climbing up in the tree and doing my thing, fixing to make some cuts. Not really knowing what I'm doing, kind of learning as you go, which is not already smart when you're dealing with heavy limbs over people's houses. Right? I'm, you know, I'm just trying to make a buck, man. He shows up, and obviously he goes, you don't know what you're doing. I said, no, not really. He goes, well, if you cut those limbs, he said, I don't know if their homeowner's insurance is going to cover that when it goes to the roof. I said, well, I didn't think about that. <laughs> he goes, i tell you what. He goes, you come to a Bible study tomorrow at my house at 7 o'clock. I'll have a pot of coffee ready after we get through studying the Bible. I'll bring my bucket truck over here, and we'll take care of this. 
Sure enough, I go the next morning, can't even remember what we really talked about because I was concerned about dropping limbs through people's houses and stuff. And I already did this job, I needed to get it done. But he shows up in his bucket truck, and with his experience, he saves me a lot of money and a lot of time. <laughs> I know that homeowner was thinking, thank you, Jesus. Somebody shows up and they know, they know what to do. But because of his experience and his time and his love, he was saving me. And that's what John is doing with his friends here. He's pulling from his experiences and he's saying, listen, it's easy to get your focus off. It's easy to get off of the standard. But we have to constantly look towards Christ. If we walk in the light, we are not just enlightened people. We are not enlightened by ideology and people's thoughts and somebody that sits up underneath a tree for 30 days and all of a sudden comes to this experience. That's not walking in the light. We have to walk in the light as Christ is in the light. Amen? And then he goes on in that same verse and he goes, and i got great news. Whenever we walk in the light as Christ is in the light, then we can have fellowship with one another. And we know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Once again, John goes back to fellowship. And I can think of in my, as I study John's life, I can imagine the fellowship of the church was so important to him. How many lonely days he must have spent, separated, doing these different things that he did for the work of the kingdom. I think here that's the reason why he includes in it. He said, listen, when we truly walk in the light, we walk in true fellowship with one another. We, 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 walk in, we walk in a place where God can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And later on in his epistle, as he's writing to his friends, chapter 2, verses 15, 16, 17, I won't read them, but he goes into, he says, listen, do not love the world. Now, now this, is, this is unusual in a way for John because John's all about love. If you know it's not God, you know it's not love, for God is love. Love, 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 love. John's a loving person. But yet he stands back and he says, listen, if you love the world, then you're not where you need to be. And what is he saying to his friends later on in, verse, in chapter 2? He's saying, listen, do not choose the world as your standard. If you choose the world as your standard, you're going to get what the world gets. And the world will pass away, the world will die, the world will leave you high and dry. But Jesus Christ, he's the standard. He'll always be here. And he begins to teach them about that. He begins to pull them back in again and say, listen, this is how important it is to him that we as Christians measure ourselves. I love the poetry in Psalms 25. As David writes this, he says, Unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. you got to love King James, baby. Yea, let no one wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. And then he goes on and he says, Show me thy paths. O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. He's figured it out. Teach me. Show me. Christ, you are my standard. God, the commandments that you have wrote, wrote what you have spoken to me, what you have taught me through my ancestors, through the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the Bible. God, I believe. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me. He understood that constant desire in a Christian's life that it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness for us to go into our prayer life. For us to be driving in the car and hear a song that speaks to us or maybe a word over the radio and say, God, am I doing that? Am I pleasing you? Whether we've been saved 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years, amen, is a sign of strength that, God, I want to make sure at all costs that you are my standard. 
John goes on in verse 8, and he hits the final assurance. He hits the assurance that as we walk in the light, one of the ways that we know that we can walk in this light of God is we fight self-deception. As I look at a world, I look at a world that's really good to lying, that's really good at lying to itself. Reality, sometimes people don't live in it all. We are in a virtual reality where we look at people's lives, snapshots and glimpses, and we think that they have it all together. And if we don't look like that, then we don't have it all together. What we don't realize is that's just snapshots and glimpses. Amen? We all have times in our life where the rubber meets the road, where disagreements happen, where frustrations rise and tempers rise, some of that intense fellowship that we all have at times. And things are not perfect. And in our world, it's so easy to slip into self-deception. It's the same thing that John battled with these teachers. There in verse 8, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. John goes right for the heart. He goes, listen, you cannot deceive yourself and think that you don't need a Savior. Because if we say we don't have sin, what are we saying? We don't need a Savior. That means the life, the teachings, the resurrection, the death of Christ is all for nothing. But whenever we say, no, we need sin, or we need a Savior, we don't need sin, we don't need sin. We need a Savior to fight the sin. We're being honest. A guy walks into a shop and sees a salesman there, and he looks around and he sees a vase that he wants really, really bad. He knows it's an antique vase and it's worth a lot of money, so he devises a plan. He sees a cat running around, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer this dude $100 for his cat. And then tell him I need a watering vase. So he goes up to the guy. He says, sir, I'll give you $100 for your cat. Salesman said, take it. He goes, but sir, I need something to water it with. May I buy that vase for $10? The salesman looked at him and said, oh no, there's no way I can sell that vase at all. He says, it's part of a dynasty for many, many years and it's priceless. Salesman looks at that guy and he goes, but something funny. He goes, since I've had that vase in here, I've, I've sold 17 cats. Just about the time we think we're trying to de deceive somebody, really, we're being deceived, right? And that's the way it is in life. And that's what John is saying. John, con uh, John concentrates his points for us uh, of self-deception, and he simplifies it. And he's saying, listen, we can't say that we don't need help, that we can do everything by ourselves, that guts and grit has gotten me where I'm at. No, it is the blessings of Jesus Christ, amen? It is the love of Christ that has spoken to our hearts. But sometimes we can get caught up in the success. Sometimes we can get caught up in even turmoil. And we can start deceiving ourselves. And saying, well, if I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. And I can fight my way out of here. No, sometimes it is just the grace of God on our life that we need. The blessings and the success that we have are because of the grace of God. In verse 10, he goes on and he says, listen, if you're choosing to say that you do not have sin, then the truth, he goes as far as he says, listen, the truth is not in you. I mean, he's really cutting to the heart of these guys and being honest with them, as a loving pastor would be. He's saying, listen, if you guys feel like you don't have any sin and you can't do it, know that the truth is not in you. Well, we know that the truth is Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the air coming out of the room, people inhaling very deep, saying, what is going on? I have to make a decision here. And that's what John is leading us to. Now, we know that the beginning of wisdom is really the beginning of reverence of God, true fear. 
But we understand that whenever people don't truly fear God, whenever they don't truly have that wisdom, whenever they walk in self-deception and say, I don't have to show God any respect, I don't have to be reverent to Him, then we have families who aren't reverent. Children who are going to run the country who aren't reverent to God. Nations will collapse. Governments will be on their knees because they didn't show reverence to God because of self-deception creeped in. And if we have more people, we can get it done. If I had more money, I can get it done. If I had this or I had that. No, we need Jesus Christ. And it's through His grace. Now, there's nothing wrong with that work and grit and making up your mind to get it done those are all positive things and things can happen that are positive from those but that's not the answer amen and we're deceiving ourselves if we come to that point and say no we can do it all alone james 1 and 5 it says if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him what is james saying he's also coming to that same conclusion We know that true wisdom starts by asking God. It doesn't say true wisdom comes by knowing that I can do it by myself, but going into God. But yet many times in our life, we look at situations like that and we say, God, am I weak? I mean, I'm here again coming to you, asking you for wisdom. I'm trying to to raise a daughter. In my case, I'm trying to raise a nine-year-old girl. And I'm here, God, asking you again, how do I influence her? How do I strengthen her? How do I encourage her? How do I love my wife? How do I help lead the church? And I know you guys have the same feelings. How do I raise my kids? How do I reach people in my family? How do I show support? How do I cry out for salvation for people? How do I pray for people? And in those moments, we can feel like we're absolutely weak. Like, here I am again, God. But that's exactly the place that we need to be. It's an assurance that we can have in our life that we're walking in the light when we can go to God and say, listen, I'm not going to fall under self-deception. I'm not going to fall under a place where I think I can do it, where it's based off of how much I pray or how much I do or how much I fast. All those things are necessary, but I know, God, it starts with Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I will not fall up under the self-deception that it can be done by mere works. It is by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. John, in 1 John chapter 3 and 22, uh, verse 22, he says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. We receive when we keep His commandments. Well, how do we know His commandments? We read His Word and we hide them in our heart. And then we become that pleasure to God. And then we can ask and He will give us what we're seeking because He knows that will bring pleasure to His name. But it's because I have that posture of saying, God, I do not want to be self-deceived. I do not want to think that sin is not in my life, even as a Christian, God. Instead, I want to have the attitude that things that are in my life that maybe are some dark corners, I want to drag them into the light so You can expose them. Why? Because ultimately, it's not about embarrassing us. It's about us being healed. It's about wounds being healed. It's about us becoming stronger and stronger in our Christian faith. About reaching more people, loving more people. And the more things that are dark that we drag into the light, the more God can do with us. Amen? And that's what John is saying. He's saying, listen, go to Him and ask. Finally, there in the ending, and this is where we're going to land the bird. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then in verse 10, he ends it with a with this bold statement. He says, remember, if, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. It's like he's going back to that one point, saying it's okay as a Christian person to realize we've got to have Christ to do this. And what we don't want to do is judge God. And whenever we say we don't have sin, we're calling God a liar. We're casting judgment on God, and we don't want to be in that place. Amen? God has a plan for our life. God wants to use us in ways that we never thought. And in those weak moments where we think we're the weakest, it's really the strength of the Holy Spirit rising up within us, saying, I'm trying to guide you and trying to direct you. God is light. Having that honest walk before the Lord, saying, Christ, you are my standard, and choosing to fight that self-deception. Those are all assurances. Those are all pillars that hold up our faith and say, God, I will walk after this. Would you bow with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.